Coming up on this episode of TV Talk Decades, the mid-70s were a time of funky and fresh. Join us as we explore the mid-70s where representation really did matter on the next TV Talk Decades with the Sisters. Thank you for joining us on TV Talk Decades. I'm Karen. And I'm Regina. And we are here to talk TV. So we're we're in the mid-70s now, huh? Yep. 1974, Richard Nixon resigned in August. I remember the Jackson 5 from the 70s. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, I, like every other young girl, was in love with Michael Jackson. Yes, Michael was the man. And we also had the Supreme singing, and wow, it was just a lot of good music. Even though we were young kids, I remember the young the music of the uh, mid-70s. Yep. And uh, TV shows. TV shows in the mid-70s, this was our stuff. This is when uh, the Jeffersons... Mash, the white five oh, these were the top rated shows during that time. So, okay, so what is it about the mid 70s that we think is worth talking about? What, what, what is it we think draws a person to the mid 70s? You know what? One of the key things, and it was one of the things I found in my research, except I didn't really find it in my research, I knew it. Alex Haley published Roots, and this book became like a really big thing. And all the man was doing was talking about the history of his life and his family. But I don't think most Black people at that time, because listen, by the mid-70s, we were, what, maybe 10 years out of the civil rights struggle. I don't think most of us were thinking about our roots in Africa. I think most of us was like, Ooh, okay, I can go to school, I can go to the lunch counter, I can ride, you know, the bus, I can, you know, maybe get a house in some neighborhoods. So I don't think there was this looking back that people were thinking about. But when the book came out, it became like a symbol of Black pride for us. Right, right. But it also became that thing where we really talked about slavery. We talked about you enslaved us. And yeah. here's the story of it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't whitewashed over or glossed over because Alex Haley's uh, story was pretty brutal. Yeah, it was. I remember that. But as a kid, I didn't even want to talk about that. You know, no. and as a 10 year old, I was not trying to talk about slavery with my new white friends. No. Oh, no, 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 not. No. And let's see, 74. I was what? If you were 10, I was probably eight. Mm-hmm. Right, right alone in there. Yep. And I just wanted to come home and watch um, uh, TV in, in the Jackson five. You know, I wanted pictures of Michael Jackson on my wall in uh 
that was that was my whole my whole thing, you know. And it's so funny that was my focus, but there was a lot going on in that time. I mean, Richard Nixon's resigning. The president is resigning the presidency, right? And for us as kids, that was nothing. I mean, we hadn't dealt with no whole president. I mean, presidents could resign every day for all we knew. Yeah, we, we had no idea what that meant, but that was a pretty big thing in this country because he wasn't just resigning because, you know, he had a better job. He was, <laughs> he was put, he was pretty much put out. You know, that's one of them things where they tell you, you can go and resign because if you don't, we're going to put you out. You know, <laughs> you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a really big thing for the country. And then the vice president becomes the president. So that was a big shift in our in our government. But at the same time, you know, we were seeing more black people on TV. So, you know, for me, I was like, hey, I'm good. I'm good because good times is on. You know what I'm saying? And good times, I mean, this was, we had moved from a shift of we might have one black person in, you know, a cast of 10 white people, but they moved to a place where they had casts where it was like an all black cast. Yeah. I mean, good times was a, oh my goodness, look at all those black people on television at the same time. Yep. And it was a black family that was intact. It had a mother and a father. Yeah, it did. I mean, I loved it. It was us seeing ourselves on TV. They had children, you know, that we could relate to. And they were funny. And you would tune in every week to see what they were wearing and the jokes they were telling. And it was just like, oh, man, these are Black people on TV. All Black people on TV. And it's not, you know, the person who's robbing or killing or mugging. This is a family family with a mama and a dad, you know? Yes. Yes. They wasn't thugs or pimps or prostitutes. No, no, it was, it was absolutely wonderful. So in 1974, when uh, Good Times premiered, uh, I mean, that was just, that was everything. That was, let's, you know, watch. We got to watch Good Times. Girl, did you watch Good Times last night? Girl, did you see what Thelma had on? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was that was life. And that was the best thing ever to be eight years old and to see that on TV. Okay, let me just go here right now. And that's the that's the at Afro. That was a time when my mama was burning the side of my ear with a pressing cone. But Esther Rowe had afro. An afro. Sometimes Thelma had afro, but sometimes Thelma got her head laid to the side. But you know, they never showed us, they never showed her pressing Thelma her. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They didn't. But listen, having that and see, just a black woman on TV in the the mid-70s, after all the struggle of the 60s, was like the ultimate resistance power move. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. It's like, okay, I I ain't gonna throw my fist in there on TV, but I'm gonna wear my afro. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought that was just wonderful. And one of the other shows that I, girl, listen, Sanford and Son, done. 
Yes. Nineteen seventy-two to seventy-seven. Red Fox done. Yes. Done. Done. You know, Red Fox gave us permission to be frustrated, to be funny, and to kind of just live life out loud. I think. You know. And he got to say all the stuff we wanted to say, but was too scared to say. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Now, let's just be real. He was very inappropriate at times. But if I tell you, me and my best friend, Kim, would sit on the phone and laugh and talk about Red Fox, because it was on from 72 to 77. We would sit on the phone sometime and just watch it and just laugh because he was so funny. He just appealed to all eight. You know what? He was a black businessman. Wasn't that, wasn't that great? We went from uh, Good Times, which was a family unit, to a black man owning the business. It was it was a junk business, but he owned the business. So there were some little subtle things that they kind of put out there. And I've, I've said it before, though, you know, Good Times just kind of, oh my God, they portrayed poverty 5,006 ways, but Fred was really, really poor, but I mean, you know, you never really knew it because he didn't feel like he was poor because he always referred to his junkyard as his empire. You know, that's right. And, you know, one of the things, one of the stories I read, because, you know, I mean, even though we watched these shows as kids and we loved them, some of the actors, they had they had struggles with doing the shows. They had struggles, you know, always being in poverty, never getting out of the ghetto, never. And, you know, they would take this stuff to the writers. And of course, many of the writers in the room didn't look like them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite story, I was reading a story, I think it was in Essence, where they talked to, uh, uh, I think it was James Amos, and he talked about how, you know, they would sit and read the script, and then the cast would have to blacken it up for them. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, but you know what? You did what you did, because you know what? You were the Black family on television. Yeah. 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 All us little kids so appreciated seeing yeah. somebody who look like us. Uh, yeah. Talk like us. Dress right. like us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That means Beaver was not the norm. <laughs> no. And you know, I love Beaver. Shout out to Beaver. But Beaver wasn't my norm. You know, Michael and Thelma and JJ were my norm. You know? Right. And of course, I norm was what? In the ghetto. My yeah. norm. Was never getting out of poverty. <laughs> I know I was always looking for a job. Can't wait a minute. Having 10 jobs, including the car wash. <laughs> now, you know what? Just, we was going to take it because they put us on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's kind of what they portrayed to us. But we, I think as, I know for me, I was, that a lot of that didn't register with me till I got older. I was just, happy to see a family together struggling, working it out and coming out on top. The right. the other parts of Good Time didn't hit me till I was adult when I thought, well, good Lord, couldn't, couldn't they have written something, gave a man a job at the city or something, you know? Right. But that didn't that didn't <laughs> that didn't register with me till I got older. So when I was younger, I was just glad to see him, even Fred. I was just glad to see Fred and all his little Drunk friends, which I thought, you know, back then that was funny to me. But this right. was a man who ran a junkyard with a bunch of, you know, 
people who were questionable. You know, I loved Bubba and 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 Brady and and Skillet and all Skillet. them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they were neighborhood people. And if you grew right. up in the hood, you had neighborhood people like that, you know. Right. So I, I really did. That, that was just great to see representation on TV. Such a dramatic shift from the, the 60s and 50s and the 40s. And suddenly it's like, bam, we here, you know. No, one of the things that, that I think was a good turn, because so many people complained to the producer, which was Norma Lear. Norma Lear, and they they would be like, man, how come these people are always poor? How come they're always down? You you act like Black people don't never make it, don't never make it, don't never make no money. And so one of the shows he produced in 1975 that premiered was The Jeffersons. Yeah. Yeah. And so there you had a black man or a black family that made it out of the ghetto. And yes. you know what? That show was just as funny, baby. Oh. Woo, that Florence yeah. and George going at it was almost as good as Fred and Esther. Yes. Yes. Isn't that isn't that wonderful though? You show the dimensions of the black family through the Jeffersons, uh Good Times, Sanford and Son. And we could laugh with all of them. We can relate to all of them. Uh, we embrace them all because that's just how we are as a community. You know, in your in your family, there's there's probably uh somebody with an intact family unit, mother, father, children. There's probably a single parent, which pretty much what Fred was, even though Lamont was overgrown. And uh and then you have the relatives that kind of made it, you know, they didn't live in the hood anymore. They lived across town and they had a little money, probably had a, you know, back then it was like, I want a brick house, get me a brick house and a, and a Cadillac and, and, but you could still relate to all of them because they were all still family. And I love those different perspectives that they gave us of black people growing up, just seeing it, you know, and it became, you know, making it and getting out was like, I'm going to be like the Jeffersons. I'm going to make it to the east side, you know. We're going to move on up. Yeah, we're going to move on up like the Jeffersons. So that part of TV was so, so good, you know. I just, I just, you know, I think we were real fortunate to grow up seeing those different pictures of black people on TV and black situations. Right. Because the, all the folks who came before us didn't get to see that. No, no. That we, was we not didn't. the image they grew up with. And no. so we were fortunate that we got to see Black people living as an intact family, Black people uh, working, owning businesses, and some being successful and moving on up, you know. And so that was that was powerful. It was. We didn't even realize it. The seeds were being planted in our head. We didn't even realize it but it was good for us to see but let me tell you something else stood out to me about the mid-70s and i don't remember a lot of it but i do remember this i remember police woman with angie dickinson and for that's me, so crazy that's crazy because i don't even remember this story but go ahead i remember this show because i remember daddy used to watch this show and the fact that a woman was the kind of the lead and she was the police and she was beautiful because, you know, you're, you're used to seeing 
you know, drag that men with the guns and whatever else y'all watch with the guns and cannon, you know. Yeah. What, what was Buddy Epson? He was uh, Barnaby, Barnaby Jones. Jones. You, yeah, you saw so. all these 70 detectives coming at you. And then you have Angie Dickinson. And I thought, well, you better go head on, girl. Out here, uh, what's her name? Pepper. Yep, Pepper Anderson. <laughs> yeah, I said, well, Pepper, you better, you you better be a police woman in the mid seventies, Pepper. I thought, how empowering for little girls to see a woman in the badge doing what she's doing. And like I said, she's she's a beautiful woman, but she was a police woman, Angie Dickinson. I said, well. All right, it's time we start breaking through a lot of the stereotypes and stuff that came, you know, with the 60s and the 50s and the, you know, women are only to do this. And, you know, you were what? A secretary. You went to what? Secretary of school. Or you learned to type. Uh, a teacher. A, a teacher or a housekeeper. And now here we have Angie Dickinson out here running around with her gun. Girl, you better, you better tell him again, Angie. And I thought that was one of the great shifts of the mid-70s because then you saw Alice, the single parent working at Mel's Diner, yep. you know, waiting tables, you right. know, and yeah, yeah. The bionic woman. Girl, that was our favorite. We yeah, loved us was some it. Jamie Summers. Listen, can can a woman be a superhero? Yes, she can, because they're the bionic woman. There she is. And I thought, this is this is okay. You know, we didn't even realize we were growing up with some strong role models, or at least a shift in the thinking about how women and uh, black people can be portrayed on TV. Okay, now let me help you. You need to take off your 1920 brain. I mean, your 2020 okay. brain okay. if you're gonna watch these shows. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. If you pull up these shows and like some of these shows are showing now on some of the networks like MeTV and MeTV Plus and some of these the cozy networks, and so you could watch these shows, but don't watch them with your no. 2020 brain because no. if you watch police woman you're gonna see pepper walking around in some kulaks with her purse on her shoulder and that just cracked me this woman got her pocketbook running chasing a criminal i'm thinking if you chasing a criminal do you really need your pocketbook when you get you don't know <laughs> you don't know what's in that pocketbook leave pepper alone <laughs> And all I gotta say is, I mean, so 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 leave your 2020 brain, girl, if you go back to watch these yeah. shows, because yeah. they are steeped in stereotype, because that is the way that women were thought of. And so they did not take women, they didn't just they made her a police woman. <laughs> now yeah. she wasn't a policeman, she was a police <laughs> woman. <laughs> And so that's the way you got to watch this show because that's where I watch this show. I mean, I love watching Pepper, and I just be like, really, Pepper? Really? I mean, she got the she got the big billing. Her name was up top, but the men did all the action. I just kept thinking, she can't even fight. How's she going to be a police officer? She can't even fight. But she didn't have to fight because back in the 70s, women didn't have to fight. Men did the fighting for them. That's it. And so just make sure when you go back to some of these shows, you got to take off your 2020 brain <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. leave it girl. And, yep. and just go back to, 
you know, what it is that they are doing because they're doing it the way women would have done it back then. And for us as little kids, it's just kind of like, wow, she's doing the job of a policewoman. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's it. That's it. it, it you know, we didn't stop to think, well, that's a little ridiculous her running with that purse. He ain't got to run with no purse or no briefcase. Why she got to run? You know, don't, don't, don't look at it that way. Just think about the time it was in. Because like I said, we weren't far out of the 60s when, you know, women, y'all was at home with some pearls cleaning the oven. Let's just come on, break this down. Y'all were cleaning the oven with pearls and uh, we was walking to work or sitting at the back of some bus. So don't be trying to be all up there. Just the fact that Pepper was there and was able to get out in the streets and run and arrest and uh, carry that that type of prestige was amazing for us. It was it was really amazing that it had shifted so much to where they were willing to put that on television for us. Right, right, right. So, and I mean, I just I just thought, wow, that was that was really really a great, great kind of, when you think about it, those were some great years to be watching television. I know, and music was amazing in 1970. Girl, then then came you. Remember that? Oh my goodness. And Aretha Franklin, until you come back to me. Uh Uh-uh, you don't own that song and you you (laughs) don't stop. Mm -mm. (laughs) Stop. You ain't got no rights, no nothing to sign that. And other than that, you don't know saying right. So just, just, mm-mm. no, ma'am. And Barry White, no, you my oh, first, man. you my last, you my everything. My everything. Yes. Reverend Al Green, although he wasn't Reverend back then. Listen, I done told you. I done told you. You, 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 you operate outside your gift and your anointing, y'all. Operate outside your gift and anointing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But baby, those songs, that was some music. 1974? Listen. Listen, listen, girl. Music was like, that was it. You know, that was the era where the groups would coordinate they, they outfits yep. and everybody would have on their outfits the same. Baby, they step on stage. What is you talking about? Sharp. Yes. Sharp. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's such like a contrast. It. Such a contrast to now. I mean, I, this, this was an era where people would get dressed up for things. Like these artists dressed up to go on stage. People would dress up to go out. You know, this was, you know. Your grandmama putting on pantyhose and purse and dressed to go downtown or to go to, to pay the, the bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go pay the bills. Uh, uh, you know, you going to church or wherever you're going. Because you probably may not remember this, but I do remember mama saying that you need to put a slip on. Mama, I don't want to wear no slip. I know you had to, and see, Pepper knew. <laughs> Wait a minute, see, this is why nobody was writing those folks at Police Woman saying, "How come Pepper walking around without a pocketbook?" <laughs> yeah, they didn't no, no. They didn't get that. She had to have all the things together that she needed to keep folks yeah. from just going bad on them. Yeah, I mean, you you know, your mama would make you wear a slip. You really couldn't walk in in uh, church house without some pantyhose on. Could walk having, in a job without pantyhose. Yeah, 
having bare legs out was that was just woo, that was that was just bad. But I mean, but once we get into the 90s and the 2000s and all that, you're gonna see that big shift. Now people walk around halfway naked and don't nobody say nothing. But back then, you had to be dressed. There was a certain dignity. There used to be a job. There used to be a dress code. You had to have pantyhose on. You had to wear them ugly tan pantyhose. Remember, they didn't even make pantyhose in our shade. We was wearing pantyhose for white women. Listen, you better go and get them coffee pantyhose and hush up. Because that's what we went and got the coffee. Remember, pantyhose came in the egg. You better go get that egg. With them coffee pantyhose. You could be chocolate black and have on some <laughs> coffee, coffee pantyhose. Looking like a Ush at church with them coffee pantyhose. <laughs> so, I mean, the 70s wasn't all great because I hated them pantyhose. Them flips. Yes, and slips. You better have on a slip up under your clothes because you had to be decent. But they were they were really good good years. I mean, good movies came out. All the presidents, men, taxi driver, you know, all these things that were happening there. It was just really kind of an edgy year because you know, taxi driver Jodie Foster uh, was in that, and I believe she played a child prostitute in that. Oh, that Jody Foster done come a long yeah. way. I mean, and that's that's pretty edgy. That's even edgy for now. Yep. And you know, all the president's men talked about, you know, of course, the Watergate, Mr. Mr. Nixon being asked to leave before he got put out. Right. So the mid-70s were really kind of uh, you know, a little edgy there. Little edgy it was. Versus, as kids, none of that really made anything to meant anything to me as long as I could watch good times and Sanford and some my life was was fine you know I was I was good and you know stuff we didn't get to watch was things that came out things like Foxy Brown you know with Pam Grier stuff like see we didn't get to watch that but you know no she had on the coffee brown pantyhose (laughs) no We didn't, we didn't, we didn't watch those, uh, what they call them, the black, black exploitation. exploitation. Yeah. No, my, my parents didn't play that. <laughs> we weren't watching all that. I ain't saying they didn't watch it. I'm saying we didn't watch. It. So, yeah, the, I, I, the mid-70s, good memories, good memories from uh, the TV shows there. Just laughing. Was funky and fresh, Regina. Just like you said, it was it funky was, and It fresh. really was. It, it was, was funky, funky and fresh, just fresh. like you said for the uh, mid-70s. You know, I remember people saying, you know, what's happening, which was also a TV show, yep. and uh, people having afros and afro sheen. Yep. You know, yep. those were the things we had in the mid-70s. And you had you some bell bottoms. Or some or culottes. Th- or some hip-hugger jeans, baby. Yes. Uh-huh. from being a 10 year old and hip huggers I didn't even have hips. that's okay you just need enough to hold them jeans up that's right, right or the little what do you call the little 
shirts where your back was out. They called them back outs. I don't know. Look. It was called a back out, wasn't it? Call a back out. Get you some girl. Because, you know, down in Texas where we celebrate Juneteenth, you had to get a little short set to go to the park on Juneteenth. So you get your little back out in some shorts and you go down to the park to celebrate Juneteenth. That's what you did in the 70s, you know? That's what you did. That's what you did in the 70s. Everybody was a cool cat or, hey, mama, you know? That's how people talk. And we was right there, little kids, in the middle of it all, thinking that was the best thing ever. It was. Thank you for listening to TV Talk with the Sisters Decades. It was a joy remembering with you guys. Hope you'll join us again. Bye. Bye. Decades with the Sisters is produced by Karen J. Anderson. Music by Karen's friend Dave. And Regina Anderson just shows up to talk.